Welcome to the One Call Flowers Podcast. My name is Chris Harris, back for another episode. And today we have a really special guest. I've known this guy for a long time. His name's Gary Gordon. I'll tell you what, guys, if there's one person in this industry that kills it with profit, it's Gary Gordon. Gary, a little bit about yourself, how long you've been doing this? Well, thanks for having me, Chris. I have been in sales literally my entire life since I was about 16 years old, anywhere from uh, telephone sales, car sales, real estate sales, now new home construction sales. So what got you started in home sales? In home sales? Yeah. Oh, it goes back to, I really like, enjoy meeting the client directly and working my own pace and schedule. So what was your very first job in the in-home sales industry? Was it windows, roofing? Where did you start? I started in-home sales years ago when I sold water purifying equipment for uh, Softlight. And I was successful at that, a little young when I did it. But uh, windows sales about 10 years ago is when I really started to indulge in the in-home sales and really make a successful career. So I have to ask, usually everybody comes on the podcast, so there's step systems and then there's just natural born sales ability, right? I know that typically in the window industry, they really push step systems where you do one call closing. Did you experience that? And how'd you do with that system? I was very successful with that. I think it's the right philosophy when you go into a home. The chances of actually going back is very rare. And at the same time, one call closes are really what is the special part and the talent that separates the individual. You know, I mean, I think for me, Going into a home, I've got one shot, and typically the homeowner doesn't really know more what they're doing or what they're buying, so it's on my agenda to create an environment where they understand exactly what it is they're getting and create that type of flow. So you started off in window sales, and that's predominantly where you did a one call closing? That was a turn and burn. That was a in the house, get it done. Turning through sales reps. All, you know, either strong will survive. You know, that's how it works with that type of business. So I know that one point you transitioned over to selling roofing, siding, is that correct? Correct. And as well as windows and doors still. I mean, I do all the exterior. Is it a little different system where you're at now than the window company? Absolutely. It's a longevity, you know, companies a lot better organized. They're been around a lot longer. So you go over to the roofing company. Is it more of a follow-up system at the roofing company than a one-call close system? Where I'm at now, there is more follow-up, especially in siding and or windows yeah. now because we do so much. I mean, you really have to set that up. You know, you don't want to slam somebody at $50,000, $150,000 in one set. You don't know what you're talking about. You got to explain a lot of things. And I think trust is a big factor, especially for me. I mean, I'm very thorough with what I do. So, so walk us through that, because I know that you have a reputation of selling extremely high still in what's supposed to be a downward economy, right? So can you kind of walk us through your approach when you get to the house, whether or not you use a step system, kind of how you set a homeowner, I don't want to say set them up, but like how you set that sell up to close at such high margins? Price conditioning is a big element to having the homeowner understand cost. And by throwing out, you know, you can buy from an average of 550 all the way up to 1500 And you got to let them have the option as far as truly understanding what you're doing. So if you're price conditioning, that will allow you to later share with them a much more higher product because you've already explained some detailed information with price conditioning, you know, by giving them some pricing up front to let them understand where they're at. So they're not as shocked at the end. You can't just sell high. You know, you've got to build up to high. 
So if I'm a listener out there and I'm saying, okay, he's talking about price conditioning, but kind of can you walk through when you start price conditioning in a homeowner and kind of how that process from the moment you get to the door to when you actually start talking about price? You got literally less than three seconds when you introduce yourself, and that's probably the most important part of it. You know, people determine whether they like you right out of the gate. But I think the more that you understand why they're buying and what the conditions are, like in the roofing industry, if you've got a roof that's leaking, that's a 911. You know, I mean, we got to get this thing hurried up, get it built, get some at least some protective stuff over so it doesn't leak anymore. But for me, I need to know what it is. They need to share with me why they want it. So if I'm a homeowner and I said to you, Gary, listen, we got this roof leak going on. It's been going on for like six months. We've been meaning to get to it and fix it. At what point do you We're doing start- business right then and there. <laughs> sure. If I can't close somebody's house that's been leaking for six months, then I should be selling roof. But when do you start talking about price in that, in that scenario? Well, at this point, it's more preventative on a situation like that for me is that, you know, this is costing you more. We don't know the extent of it as of yet. Mm-hmm. And typically with leaks, you know, there's a lot of other things that come along with it. The mold, mildew, those things. So that's more of a... Uh, Actually, we've got to handle the issue. It's what is it going to cost you if you don't do it is really where I would come from in that situation. It's like if you have a flat tire, Chris, you've got to get the flat fixed. If there's only one tire place in town and you got a flat tire, it doesn't make a difference what it costs. You've got to get the tire fixed. So using that same approach, if I know essentially what that homeowner is needing and why they need it, then it gives me a better idea of how I can approach it. So I'm a homeowner. I said, Gary, my, my wrist been left for six months. Really need to get this fixed. We went all installed. This should probably cost us me about 600 bucks, right? To fix this roof leak. Well, I mean, if you're looking for Pete in the pickup, you know, chucking a truck kind of deal. But listen, at the end of the day, I mean, we're talking about a roof, if that's essentially what you're asking. It's not a pizzazz purchase anyway. Nobody's wanting to do it. It's an unnecessary evil. But I would be more approaching the avenue of not comparing it at $600. What I'm saying is in the homeowner's mind, they're thinking this is 600 bucks. So of course, how do you like, how do you like? Nobody wants to even spend 600. That's a, that's kind of, could be a lot. But if you look at the aspect of this and you're truly trying to help a consumer, if you're really a professional of what you're doing, the leak solves the problem. It's like a bandaid. Yeah, you're going to get it fixed and it'll probably stop that leak. But what's the other hundreds that's going to come after that? The age of roofs is just a reoccurring thing. Obviously, roofs are not 600 to repair, and I would explain that to the consumer. Listen, I mean, there's nothing cheap anymore. I mean, I would explain the process of what needs to be done, which, you know, would entail. So I would say, you know, the, the average right now is about $4,500 average to repair a roof the right way, you know, pulling up all the shingles, replacing what wood's necessary, those things. But yeah, we're going to have that conversation in the very beginning. Well, with my organization, Chris, we have a minimum. So I'm going to let them know right out of the gate, it's a $2,500 just get my ladder out of my truck. And then from there on, and it's also diverting them from making a real decision. Do we want to just pay the $2,500 and hope they got it worked? Or let's maybe look at another avenue and look at replacing the entire roof so we don't have to come back to it. So that's really interesting with you. So how deep do you go into detail with the, you know, what it takes to repair roofs, your, your service guys? your company, how it's set up. How deep do you dive into building value when you're talking about price? From my last name to the installer's last name. I mean, I literally take it from every level, from every option, every feature, every material, the amount of the the material that we're using from the site expediters to the management crew, to the 
permit to the liability insurance, the workers' compensation that's required. I mean, this is a real deal. And, and unfortunately, with the way the things are today, people are willing to pay a little more because they get a lot more. If you're trying to nickel and dime something like your home, then we're probably not the right company for you. Do you tell a homeowner that? I tell the homeowner that all the time. <laughs> yeah, because if you, you'll know right away if this guy's talking like he's got $600. I mean, that's nothing my organization would be even considering, but we know that that's what the thought process is. You know, because again, it's a purchase that nobody wants to make. You know, and now all of a sudden the lease there, but what they don't realize is that leak's been there for at least a minimum of two and a half years is what it takes to see it through the drywall and the ceilings. But so I would start price conditioning then, Chris, and then letting them know that you know you're three, four, five thousand dollars. Even if somebody come out here at twenty five hundred bucks, there's still no guarantee on that purchase. I mean, you're, that's twenty five hundred dollars. That's a lot of money to me, and I would say. I'm not sure I'd be willing to just take $2,500 and hope it works out. If you really want to do this, I can share with you on a monthly basis if you don't have the $2,500. Because quite frankly, Chris, if you don't have $2,500 to repair your roof, you should be repairing the roof. I mean, it's going to cost you more than that. How I approach the increasing the price of it is by sharing with them each individual thing that we're doing and why it would benefit them. I mean, we can all buy lower products, but I share the very best in what it is. And at the end of the day, the very best doesn't seem that more expensive in the long run. Okay. So you start early price conditioning. Start early price conditioning. And at what point do you do you do a presentation to your company? Do you kind of like lead them down a road to close in that first day with roofing? Or do you kind of step back and then do you have early on conversations kind of outside a step system? I'm having early conversations, and in most cases, I even walk around, you know, make sure we're all looking for the same things, and I'll point out things that are necessary and what makes that roof a roof, because some of them don't even think that some of the stuff is connected, like the drip edge or the fascia and these things that are, you know, that may be in, in problems. So I want to walk them around, show them what we were working. So you bring the consumer with you, yes. homeowner? Yeah. I, I walk around with them. And we'll just take a look at the project. And, and if I have to get up on the roof, we can get up there and show them what pictures we have. Let's face it. If somebody's looking to purchase a roof right now, this isn't a, a decision you just started making last night. I mean, this has been one you've been putting off for at least a year, six months, three months. Nobody's just waking up one day, unless you're getting a letter from the insurance company. That's even worse then. But they've been thinking about this purchase. And, and typically, in most cases, they've had a conversation with somebody. So they got an idea. It's just that they don't know they want more yet because so, they don't know what's available to them. So mention they've had conversations with other people. Now, sometimes you're the first person out to their house and then sometimes you're maybe the third or fourth person. So how do you handle a situation where you throw out and they're like, guys, this is going to be $3,500. They say, Gary, I've had two other roofing companies down here. They're all like a thousand bucks. Well, how I would combat that. I mean, that's a great question because, you know, there's a difference. And one of the things I would go back to is the crews I'm bringing out. One, my guys are certified installers with workers' compensation, liability insurance. In order to pay that, that's really how you're weeding out a good installer is by requiring, you know, additional insurance policies or workers' compensation from them. And I know there's some listeners out there right now saying, Gary, they all told them that they had workers' compensation and are certified and preferred installers. Correct. Then if it's a repair and somebody's willing to do it for $1,000, Chris, I don't know if I'm going to really 
try to sell the idea, the repair. I want the whole business. But also at the same time, I'm not there just for the roof. I mean, we're an exterior company, so I'm putting out little things, you know, listen to the doors. I mean, I always advise anybody, find a guy you, you, you like, you can trust. At the end of the day, you're either going to underpay or overpay no matter what you do. So find somebody you like, you trust, somebody that does a lot more because you got a lot more going on here. And we fall into those categories. If they're leading three or four other things that fall into the roof that they think's just the roof, you know, there's not many companies that can start that and finish it. So what you're saying is when you go out for a roof repair, you try to sell the entire roof or you're at least looking for an opportunity to upsell a soffit fascia possibly even siding. Door, window, whatever else. Siding, you know, in most cases. But I want to discourage the repair part because there's two reasons. One, the customer is never satisfied. If we fix it 4500 bucks, they spend it or they spend 1000 If it leaks again, you know, here we are, you know. Another two grand. And, and you've got to tell them that, hey, there's nothing that you're getting from this. This is a... I hope, I'm, I think I can got it right and I can solve it. And that's not normally the case. So talking about, I'm going to bring it back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier. So you work for a company right now that I think that you told me they do 5% commission up front and then 60% of profit, right? Is that how you're getting paid? You get a 5% yeah, draw uh, from your uh, sale. And then at the end, you split the money 60-40. So your company setup is kind of encouraging a sales rep to build as much value as they to can. To make money on the back end. To make money on That's the back end. That's where I come in. And you do that very, very well. I do that very, very well. So what's your secret to building value to whether you can justify, let's be honest, I mean, you sell roofs at $1,200 or $1,500 a square. You mean you sell siding at $3,500 to $4,000 a square for Hardy when other people are selling it for 1000 So how do you... Take a consumer who's gotten a couple of estimates at $1,200 a square for Hardy or $550 for a roof and then build value to where you can say, hey, and then purchase it from you at $1,200, $1,500 or at three dollars to $4,000 for a Hardy board. That's a great question. I, I have pride myself on the fact that I, I'm going to go so deep. I'm going to explain to them from start to face. I think we're on a little different than most is I actually spend the time in the house. If I've got both parties at the kitchen table, I'm gonna close that deal. And no matter what it is, and I've been in situations where I'm $15,000, $20,000, $50,000 higher. And every time I've gotten those contracts. But I think with me is my confidence. I'm in there, I know exactly what it is that I'm doing. I know exactly what it is, how I can help them. I use a lot of leverage with my organization having 1,200 five-star reviews as a roofing company. I use the value that we do more than just one trade. I use the fact that we overpay our guys because I need a guy whistling when he works. I need these things to happen. And uh, when you got a company like Ridgetop that literally focuses on the customer service aspect of it, it's an easier approach when you're going in with having a lot of value building with your organization. Now it's my turn, I feel, to present to them. And I basically walk them through it. I mean, I'm not trying to hide anything. I don't email. I don't do anything like that. I literally walk them right in front of it in the computer and I, and I explain to them what it is. So what do you mean by that? When you say explain to them what it is, what do you mean by that? Like they may have an estimate, for an example, $12,000. In my estimates, 19000 well, there's a big discrepancy there in the, in the difference in cost. And again, in their mind, it's a roof. And the guy before me, nine times out of 10, did not spend enough time. He 
just got on the roof, gave him an email, and uh, shot him an estimate. So he didn't spend the time. So now, in my part, what I need to do is I need to figure out a way, how do I make up a $7,000 difference? So you uh, sell the price difference, not the whole price. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use every tool that that guy has given to me. Because typically, for an example, we're a master league roofing company. So there's warranties that we can provide that most 98% of the companies can't. So we're going we're gonna to go through that line by line. So I'm going to let them know that if it's 20 squares of shingles, I'm going to show them that 20 squares of shingles is costing $11,612. You got to quote for uh, 12 for the whole roof. Now let's go to your underlayment. Now let's go to your rich cap. Now let's go to your starter. Now let's go to the drip edge. Now your boots, your damper vents, your building permit, a warranty. All these other things are going to be added on after the 11000 So I'm already showing them that, hey, they already know there's a lot more to do here. And as if I'm asking them, I'm letting them know that you have 265 linear feet of starter. Do you know what a starter is? How important a starter is? You know, and I go through that and I show them what that costs. And then I go through underlayment. You need it's 10 rolls. I'll just go through each line with them, building the value. And then I, it, it does a couple things. One, it's itemized. So it's very clear and under, you can understand it. A three-year-old can understand it. So that makes it easy for them to understand. And I think the approach of me being honest from a template in lieu of me just handwriting or highlighting a price and not really explaining anything. So you're saying you go through, you have a computer system, you have a, a template that you're looking at that probably you, you put in the squares or linear footage and it gives a prize. So you actually turn around your computer and show them? I'm doing it right in front of them, working right with them. Listen, the industry is at its highest it's ever been. I mean, wood, material, cost, labor, every aspect of things is what's going on right now. So we're already at a higher cost. So it only gives a company two choices to make. One, I can lower my labor, pay guys less money, hope the God job that works out, or I reduce my material or lack of material. By me showing them line by line and linear feet, bundles and pieces and squares, it's allowing them to actually see how the roof gets built and it allows them as a consumer to determine what product it is they're buying and why that's important. So at $7,000 seems like a lot more money, but in the long run, if he's not explained anything to you, he doesn't really have much detail, and I'm going over top by explaining these things, I'm now the roofing consultant. I became somebody that they're actually learning from instead of being sold to. So the $7,000 is an easy fix for me. I'm simply going to say to them that we're at $7,000 apart. Now, he's got a five-year warranty. I got a 25-year warranty. Let's take $7,000, divide that into 25 years. So I like that technique. And then when you are, do you assume the close or do you go ahead and just ask for the business or how do you, what's your approach when you go build your value, the customers are in front of you, how do you kind of close the deal? Well, after we've left, I've got the price and we've looked at everything. I think at that point, I'm already assuming. Because quite frankly, I'm not going to get there unless I know I'm going somewhere. So you try to qualify early? I'm going to qualify to determine, do I have all parties available? Is all the decision makers here? You know, I want to make it clear that literally there's an urgency here. There is a true urgency here. And if nobody sat down with you and truly explained to you, I was using a small example to homeowners, and it works a lot for me. 
But I always say to them, you know, if you were to buy your outfit, if you were to go buy your glasses, your watch, your shoes, your socks, your underwear, your t-shirt, everything, you'd want to know specific information. You don't want to know size, color, fabric, maybe even the name brand, these detailed information so that you can make a decision clearly whether or not I want to buy this shirt, maybe just the shorts. So by me itemizing, I've shared with them, this is what it takes, requires with all the measurements and every linear, everything we talked about to put your roof back on. Now, I understand that's a little bit more expensive than you thought, but let me share with you why. So now I'm going to reaffirm how a lifetime guarantee works and how that would benefit them. I'm also going to share with them every product I've shared is of GAF product. So it's not just a price we're offering. It's an actual system, a proven system. Mind you, Chris, I've got almost 40,000 successful risks as an organization, and we've got literally less than 1% leak issue. So we're not coming back to properties because I'm paying a guy to do it right the first time. But again, we're still $7,000 apart. So I'm going to continue to share with them how $7,000 is really $280 a year, whereas it works out to about $12 a month to do business with a real organization that's here designed to protect you. Whereas in most cases, before I got here, you and I thought a roof was just a roof. But now you clearly see that there's differences of shingles, there's differences in starters, there's differences in, in underlayments, and there's differences. So the more information they get, the newer the decisions become. So I like that a lot. And what, I guess, what steps in your process do you start sharing all that information? In the beginning, I want to figure out who I'm talking with. I want to know what they know, what it is they're wanting to do. Do you ask now, a lot of questions? I ask a lot of questions. I also share a lot of information. Okay. You know, I share with them in the very beginning who, you know, we're number one rated, we've got information, you know, or how'd you find us, that kind of stuff. And they're always, it's always through Google or some internet source, but. Is there any particular one or two questions that you like to always ask a homeowner? I always ask them how soon. Okay. Especially if it's not an I-1-1. You know, how long have you been considering this? How long has this been an issue? And what information are you trying to get from that question? I'm trying to get their root and why. I would need to know why so I can help solve that solution. A lot of people don't know that they need what they need. They always think we can just do this. And they, you know, they've got a neighbor or a friend or something that, you know, they're listening to or even their own experiences. But today's have changed. And I think today, the more that you spend time with a consumer, the more that you build the value in not only yourself and or the company and the products and the why we're doing all this is tied in together and let they'll understand that there's an expense for that, you know? And what's some other questions you like to ask? I like to ask always, you know, how do we plan to pay for it? How early do you ask that question? I ask that once I've got, you know, maybe halfway through a little bit. I don't like to get that out at the beginning because it sounds just, it's too, you don't ask that question at the beginning, for me at least. I'm a little bit more aggressive, tight with my situation. Uh, to where my personality wouldn't allow me to ask those questions. Now, I can ask them, hey, listen, I, things are crazy expensive right now. How soon or how do you plan to even pay for something like this? I mean, do you need, you know, because we do offer financing. I might do that in the beginning, not, not a, a small, you know, soft touch approach to it. Just kind of throw it out just there. Just throw it out there, just kind of get a feel, you know, not explain anything, just, you know, kind of get an idea of what it is, make them start thinking about the purchase of really how they are going to pay for it. Because um, a lot of people don't know. If they think it's $600, they may have that in their checking account. But if it's $6,000, they're not prepared for that. 
and that's also a way to determine whether or not you have somebody that's paying cash, which if they are, they're trying to do as less expensive as they can versus somebody that's financing. If you're then up there looking to finance, then that's even giving me more information of whether they have good or bad credit and or it's just in a situation where they don't have enough funds. Mm. Okay. So you got them to a certain point, but at what point do you say, hey, we're doing business today or you, you know, do you ever do a follow-up call? Yeah, I'm asking them literally after I've done my estimate, I put everything together. I said, based on what we've told you, is there anything that you could see that you would want to take out of here to reduce the cost? Or is there any differences or what you think? You know, and you're going to get a lot of feedback from that point. And a lot of them, if you presented it a certain way, it's very difficult to reduce anything that you've already sold them because they already yesed you in the presentation that they needed it and they know that they needed it. They know how it makes sense to them. So when I get to that number at the end, it's not about negotiating with that homeowner. It's more of let's move forward. So you just assume it? It's assumption. You know, I even pull out paperwork and just, if you're going to pay cash, pay cash. We offer a finance plan that really helps out a lot because it's a zero down and that makes their homeowner feel comfortable that they're not, you know, initially invested into the purchase. But it also allows them to set back and let me work and not have a lot of investment involvement. They also can uh, you know, make a smaller investment or they could do 90 days same as cash, which is really a cash deal anyway. I love that. Okay. So changes topics. A couple of things uh, I think that most of our listeners like to know with our guests. What advice would you give to a young rep just getting into this business? And you know, are there any good books that you would recommend that they read or Tell me your Gary Gordon's advice. I, uh, right now, Extreme Ownership by uh, Jocko Will. That's, that's, that's a book. That's a good book. There's also one that I'm reading. It's called Becoming Supernatural. A lot of head games in this. I mean, this isn't for the new guy. You know, if there's a new guy coming in, I would ask him to really come in here with the intent to learn and have more information provides more money. And you don't want to be the guy that doesn't have the information. So knowledge. So knowledge is huge aspect. I would, I would suggest they have a little bit of money in the bank so they're not coming here worried about paying the rent, making a car payment. Those are things that will cause problems. But So that's kind of interesting. Like, so, you know, for me personally, in my story, you know, I got into the in-home sales business when, you know, I kind of lost everything that I had. I mean, I, you know, restaurants, you know, literally lost everything. So I, I was looking for an opportunity where I could make a lot of money, you know, so there were certain things that I was looking for, right? Like I needed to make 10, 15% a deal on higher income deals. And when I first got in the business, I mean, I was lucky. I just started selling out of the gate, but there's a lot of, you know, new sales reps that aren't doing that. Right. But, you know, I truly believe that it's a career where a guy that, you know, lost everything, broke, trying to like build their wealth back, you know, they can come into this business and make $150,000, $300,000 their first year, right? But their mental picture and what would you s- suggest that they do to just, when you don't have a lot of money in the bank, do you like just keep grinding or what do you suggest in those standpoints? Well, you have to. I mean, I go buy a model, never give up. I mean, you got to keep going each and every day. I, nobody knows whether they're going to be successful or not. And I think if you have a will, you can overcome and get anywhere you need to be. Being persistent, showing up, and being on time is a key element for success. If you can do the basics, the ABCs, the very basics, and learn that and craft it, 
I don't recommend somebody that doesn't have sales experience to start in-home sales, but again, it's been done over and over again that somebody's one or two, three, four percent of them have been successful. And how important do you think a daily routine is for new reps or just reps that have hit a plateau in their career and they kind of want to get to that next level? Do you have a daily routine? I, I, I was a little more concerned with a guy coming in that's never made any money and getting paid really big checks. That will either do two things. One, he won't know how to utilize it, which has happened to me. I mean, I was 19 years old making 100 grand selling cars. I literally should not have had that. I didn't have that background or experience at that age or even a family that would even guide me on how to financially keep money. So let's clarify that. You know, 19... You know, maybe nineteen-year-old today, hundred grand may not make the difference. We, yeah, this little wine was, you know, it's a little. It's a, yeah. It wasn't just yesterday, right? Right. It's yeah. in the eighties. Oh, yeah, fuck you. So, but absolutely, I, I, if that was the case and it was the only job for that guy, then I would ask him to be committed to it. Try not to oversell. Listen, eighty, talk twenty. But you've got to have an endurance. You've got to keep going for the no. I think if you sell based on the no, then you're going somewhere. But if that's you, your flaw. You like that philosophy. Go for the no. Go for the no. Go for the no. I want to hear the no. I want to hear the no. I want to hear the no. I want to know all the reasons why I'm more expensive. I'm more this. I'm more that. I know I'm not doing it. I don't need to do it. Those are all the reasons why we're going to do it. Why? But you're giving me what I need to know, and that's what we'll, we'll work on. We're going to touch bases. That's why it's so imperative, Chris, when you're when you're getting into a house, I need to figure out who the buying signals are, who who's making the call. Typically, it's the wife, but in some cases, the husband. I need to know who's making the call. I need to know why they're making the call, and I need to hear no. All right. I'm not doing anything till next year. Perfect. God, we got plenty of time. No problem, man. I mean, literally, but have you seen the leak in your ceiling? I mean, if anybody got colds here, you got the flu a lot. <laughs> I mean, you got respiratory problems from the mold and the mildew you're snorting. <laughs> uh, we're going to find a reason. There's a reason. You know, the one value I think for me is I'm not going out chasing the business. They're contacting my organization and inviting me to the home. Mm. It's my approach that's going to make the difference. So they want you there. They want me there. They want. You, they need me there. They need you there. So going back to the other question, do you have a morning routine? Do you have an afternoon routine? Do you have a daily I routine? I, I make but, it a point to get up every day and I make my bed. I make it a point to go through each and every one of my clients and what I've got in my on my follow-up for that day to figure out what it is. And when I go through each lead that I, was, that I have for the day and look at what I need for that lead, whether it's a measurement, you know, what I'm going to be doing. I know what to expect. I read the notes very carefully. I've done a lot of homework prior. I've even looked at the home two or three different times. So I'm prepared once I get there. That's a real another, that's a true salesperson that really is already, I've already been to the house before I even get there in, in most cases. So I'm already prepared based on what notes they read, whether what they said. So, so does that help you get all? Preparation is very important going there because there might be key things that they want like you know make sure you text five minutes before you get there because i got to put my dogs away well if you don't read that information and you just show a knock on the door you're already starting off with a guy pissed off at you right you know what i mean because he you was just woke his fucking dogs up now uh, now the baby's crying you know so you got to be prepared 
And that is that how you mentally get yourself going in the morning to like attack the day, starting off making your bed and then looking at your leads that you have that day and going through each one of them? Yep. That's awesome. It's just a sheer, like I said, you know, I, I want it, I need it, I'm going to get it. I got to figure it out, you know. Like Forrest Gump said, I'm not a smart man, <laughs> but damn it, I am a damn hard worker. Yeah. And if you work hard, you can play hard. I love it. You got to know the balance between the two because that's the difference. Money's only the high for as long as you let it have it. It could be a low, yeah. having a lot of money. So uh, having a child younger, he, my son's adult now, but that was a big reason for me to wake up in the morning is that, you know, I knew he was going to need something Yep. and I couldn't be no deadbeat dad. So, well, he's older and I know for a fact, he's extremely successful. He's more successful than I, I know. It's crazy. So what keeps you going now? Him? I know if he's can, you no, know, if he, if, you know, and he's motivated. You know? I think right now I'm in a, I'm in a good lane. I know exactly is what I do. I know, I'm, I know where I'm at. I'm at a teaching point in my life because I went through so many different sales approaches and sales things. And I'm at that good way. Just to that point, guys, just like you guys all know, Gary is a teacher point. Love Gary Gordon, known him for many, many years. He is one of our coaches on uh, One Call Closers podcast. So if you guys want Gary as your coach, go to One Call Closers podcast, sign up for coaching. If you guys really want to kill it in this industry, have a guy that's going to be there for you, answer your questions, call you, be on top of your ass every day to be successful, it, this is the guy to do it. So go on the website, sign up for coaching. One cell, Gary, right? One cell. How many cells do you think that you can motivate a person to close as a coach a month? Sky's the limit, Chris. Yeah. I think if you get a guy with the right attitude and he got the will and he needs it, mm -hmm. wants it, I can show him how to get it. I love that. Thanks, Gary, for coming on today. We appreciate it. Guys out there, go close the deal today. Appreciate you guys listening. Till next time.